I think we're live. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. And grab your cup of coffee or tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening for the day today and for the week ahead. And as you can see, we have a guest this morning. I'm hoping you are all seeing this. This is our first time trying this out. And Asa is joining us live this morning. So she'll be able to field comments and hopefully, and uh, if and questions if you have them. So uh, welcome, Asa. It's good to have like my partner in crime sitting right next to me. But it is so good to be here with you guys and you, Janet. Thank you for having me. We finally <laughs> convinced her, y'all, to come out from hiding uh, in her, <laughs> hers, <laughs> her son and my son are both in the 12th house. Yes. So there's this invisibility cloak that we would prefer to wear. And uh, finally, I convinced her um, to come out and play with us. And I can see the comments. So I see Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel had a weird weekend, alarm going off in the house, a friend died. Oh my gosh, from COVID, I'm so sorry. A friend's grandbaby died. Oh my gosh, Debbie. Carol Brogy, good morning. J-Lo, good morning, Debbie. So sorry for all of, of that. Good morning, Mimi and Christine. Yes, we see and hear you perfectly. I love, oh, and I can scroll backwards, Asa. Look at that. I can go back. Good morning to Pauline and Sue. Uh, I think that's you, C.R. Bowles and Christine Buckingham. And I did see Jennifer Peachy out there. There she is too. And uh, so you're going to have to forgive us for some, you know, missteps this morning, maybe because we are testing this out. And there, now we're even bigger. Is that better or no? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, we're gonna have to play with this some more. Maybe we'll I'll move us back again. Yes. There we go. Maybe that looks better. It's hard to tell because I'm seeing it in the StreamYard studio. I'm not seeing it on Facebook or on YouTube, but that is the big advantage that we can broadcast to both at the same time. So hopefully all goes well that way. And keep your comments coming. And um yeah, it's J-Lo says, I missed a live session as the Calendly rang the day before. Oh, weird. Ugh. That's so bizarre. But I noticed that comments were coming in early this morning, Asa. So like when I first logged into StreamYard, the comments were already there from a few people. Oh, so wow. thinking that announcements are going out mm -hmm. uh, from StreamYard and then we're able to um, they're able to answer. So good morning, Kathleen, and good morning, Andy girl. It's good to see you all. So we actually have quite a bit to talk about today. So uh, I think uh, uh, Asa is going to be able to see you on YouTube. So if you have questions and I miss them, she will be able to uh, catch them up. And we have a lot to talk about because I'm only on for Monday this week because, as you know, tomorrow I have my little grandson uh, starting at nine o'clock tomorrow morning until... I don't know what time on Friday, uh, so I won't be able to broadcast live. I may do some little videos. I don't even know if he takes naps anymore, Asa. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. So if I get a free moment, maybe I can do a taped broadcast and send it out for people. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about as right now the moon is still in Taurus, and I want to talk to us, uh, talk to everybody about how the Taurus moon and the gates that Taurus is in uh, your human design work well, how they work together. And then we want to, of course, talk about the new moon solar eclipse. And at the same time, we also have a new human design week that is dawning on us. That'll happen tomorrow. And so let's jump in, shall we? Now, I'm worried about sharing my screen, Asa. So you'll have to let me know when I share if everybody can see it or is it going to be small in the in the window that we're in? So you'll have to just let me know at that point in time. Um, so let's dive in, shall we, to, to today's moon, moon in Taurus. And today, of course, the moon comes into a conjunction with Uranus. Always fun to have on a Monday, right? Moon and Taurus conjunct Uranus and Taurus. And of course, Taurus is the sign that we all know is about money and resources and how we earn our resources. It is a sign that we could use another word for, and that's accumulation, how we accumulate things, what possessions we accumulate, how much money we accumulate, how much self-worth we accumulate. 
and the material comforts that we that we accumulate for um, ourselves. And that is, of course, based on maybe where Taurus is in your chart, but also what kinds of things that really um, feel like comforts to you. If you've ever been around a Taurus or had a Taurus in your life, you know how sensitive they are to all of the senses, like if they have a fabric that they don't like to touch um, or a sound that they can't stand, it really just lights them up like on fire. Or maybe that there's a particular fabric that they do love. I have uh, a granddaughter that is a Taurus and she used to love for me to rub her back. And all I would do is just like rake my nails down her back real lightly. And she loved that. But there were certain fabrics like blanket material that she couldn't stand to be around. Same thing with my Taurus daughter. So Taurus is very much about the senses, the smell, taste, touch, especially those three. Um, physical comfort, important to the sign. So wherever Taurus is in your sign is or in your chart is where you may feel like you need more physical comfort, sensuality. So this is a very sensual sign. And as far as uh, enjoyment goes, this is a sign that knows how to have a good time in the physical plane. I mean, they are very much grounded in the physical. There's an appreciation that they have for life and a gratitude that they have for the things that are in their life. They prefer simplicity over complexity. The simple pleasures are the best. Uh, as far as they're concerned, they love to be out in nature. It's another earth sign. So we have uh, a connection to all of nature. And indeed, comfort, again, we see the physical comfort. These are, uh, Taurus is known as the master builder. In terms of building, they are the ones that can set up the solid foundation so we often find where Taurus is in our chart is where we have the strength, the foundation to take us into whatever it is that we want to do in that particular house. Um, there's persistence and perseverance and tenacity here, determination, all, all great uh, qualities, uh, except that when we get to the more uh, negative frequency, sometimes that turns into stubbornness, right? A refusal to move off their their uh, platform. It's funny because I think I told you all last week about my daughter and her friend who were sort of in a tiff. Both of them are Taurus. Neither one wanted to move from their position. And so we have a Taurian standoff until one or the other of them breaks, <laughs> gives in, and apologizes to the other or however that's going to uh, heal between them. But it's kind of funny when you have two immovable forces that take up opposite sides <laughs> and they are button heads. Uh, but Taurus is a sign of reliability as well. They're patient or patience is one of their potential virtues, but is also one of the potential um, pitfalls that they have where they may become impatient. So patience may be a lesson that Taurus learns or that Taurus teaches to all of the rest of us as we're like, be patient. They're dependable, trustworthy, steadfast. So if you want to have a, a loyal friend or a steadfast uh, presence in your life, Taurus can bring that for you. And then of course, self-worth. The second house is, is ruled by Taurus. And Venus is the planet that rules Taurus. So we have several different components that point us into self-worthiness, self-acceptance, the need to find boundaries, to have boundaries, and a determination to stand their ground and to really hold their, their, their place in life. When we get to the more negative aspects of Taurus energy, we have inflexibility right? Stubbornness, an attachment to the way things are as opposed to the way things could be. Uh, in other words, a resistance to change and a, a possibility of holding on to dogmatic opinions without wanting to move off of that opinion and stagnation where they can get in a comfort rut. I call it a comfort rut, mostly because it's comfortable where I am. So why should I change, right? Or why should I move? So stagnation can be a potential pitfall also for the sign of Taurus. Now, as far as health is concerned, Taurus rules the throat and the neck. 
and indeed the thyroid gland, everything to do with the voice and the vocal cords. Um, and as far as uh, coughs and, and uh, issues of the throat, uh, for example, colds that tend to stick in the throat or sore throats, that kind of thing uh, are all, or sore throats that then turn into those nagging coughs. Taurus, thank you very much. So looking at your chart, there's a correlation then between that part of your body and the fact that Taurus is showing up in your chart. It's funny because uh, I have Taurus sitting in the uh, 11th house in my chart. And any time that I've gotten myself involved in a group that I wasn't meant to be involved with, I end up with laryngitis. And it cracks me up because it happens so often. And uh, so now I just, okay, stay in my right lane and I should be fine. <laughs> or at least that's what I tell myself, Asa. <laughs> I'll be fine if I stay in my right lane. Uh, let's see, any comments or questions here that I want to take a look at? Andy Girl says Taurus is in my 10th house and has my moon there at 24 degrees. In fact, your moon then being hit today by Taurus in transit and likely later uh, in the day or maybe even early into tomorrow. And the 10th house being a house of career or professional focus uh, or where it is that you call up your authority and how the world sees you. So does the world see you as being inflexible or do they see you as being persistent and determined? Uh, do they see you as worthy? Do you see yourself as worthy for being out in the world? Uh, a couple of people, Asa, telling us it's 11, 11 uh, must be on the East Coast because for me, it's only 8, 12 yes. or 8, 11. Uh, Christine Buckingham, Taurus, first house ascendant. So you know what we're talking about then, Christine, when it comes to the senses and to the um, potential for being steadfast and loyal, that kind of energy. Uh, Sylvester, good morning to you two days in a row. Wow, we are blessed to have you with us today. So glad to see you out there. Uh, Kathleen says, I have Taurus on the sixth house, Jupiter at 1549 and Ceres at 2720 in Taurus. So the sixth house is the work environment. It is how you serve or give back to uh, the world. And as well, it represents the health of the body. So maybe issues that pop up in your life have to do with your throat or coughing, that kind of thing. It's hard to say. The neck, right? I always end up with, with uh, neck and shoulder issues, especially if I'm tense. That seems to be where I hold all my tension. So maybe that has to do with Taurus in my chart too. Uh, Pauline Salia has Taurus in the 11th, same as me, and Taurus in the 10th for CR Bowls. Corey, good morning. Great to see everybody popping in, and hopefully you all found us. Now, I can tell, Asa, which is so interesting, if you look at this, the chat stream, we can tell where they're coming from. Did you know that? Like, almost everybody looks to be seeing us on YouTube. Yes, yes, uh, I can see that. A couple of people from Facebook. Yeah, I see Kamal from mm -hmm. Facebook. Hello, Kamal. It's Welcome. Amy D out there. Good morning. I missed your um, text earlier. Uh, so it's interesting. This is a great kind of um, uh, of toy to play with, I think. <laughs> at least it seems smooth at the moment. I, I hope you're and I, and I like how you can put their comments and questions on the screen when you're when you're oh, okay. Yeah, let's do yes. that. So I could put Sylvester's mm -hmm. Grand Rising lovely people. Yes, I like that comment. So we'll we'll leave that one there. I don't know how to turn it off. So there are no comments showing but um, Irene from Sweden. Good morning, Suzanne Fulmer. Good to see you. Oh my gosh, we missed you. And uh, so Sweden, it must be evening for you. She has Taurus in the ninth house. So growing and evolving in your physical connection to the planet. That's one way that I would uh, read that. And by the way, did you all know that Asa also is pretty darn good at astrology and human design? So she's very capable of answering her, your questions as well. And uh, so she's also learning astro design from me or human design at this moment and where astro design is uh, the brand that I'm using when we are combining human design and astrology so that we can see from two systems how it is that we have coherence in our lives and how we can see more into the depths of who we are. And uh, at this time, I'm actually going to share, I'm going to try to share a, a, a graphic 
here we go. So I'm going to go to window and no, hold on. I'm going to cancel that for a minute. So just one second, I need to bring up the right graphic, which now I don't remember where I put it, Asa. Oh my gosh, here we go. Now let me share. Sorry, guys, this is new for me. Oh, look at that. There it is. Woohoo! Now, tell me what you're seeing, Asa. We can see the graphic towards gates and the shadows for human design. Nice. Awesome. Yes. So, so are we, we're not in the picture then, right? We are, yes. Oh, we're also okay. in the picture. Oh, ooh, so I better behave, right? Um, okay, so Taurus gates. When we start to look at human design, at what gates the moon is moving through, we see that we have four of the centers in our human design that are going to be lighting up through Taurus energy. Now, not all on one day necessarily, because the order is moving from the gate three here in the sacral to the gate 27 in the sacral, and then up to the gate 24 up in the Ajna, and then down to the gate two in the G center, uh, and then the 23 in the throat, and the just beginnings of the eight in the throat. As you know, eight is really uh, a gate that sits uh, in Gemini energy, but it crosses over between Taurus and Gemini. So we have uh, these gates in this order that will be moving through uh, over the next few days. And in fact, today, if I looked at this, we're going to see we're at the eight, uh, the two, the two, the 23 and the eight. So when we're looking at Taurus energy, we're seeing it go right up the center of, of our human design charts. And look what's left out. The emotions are left out here. The spleen is left out here. Even the root center, which is surprising to me, is left out. So what we have is an energy that's focusing us in the sacral, the connection that we actually have to being in the physical, because the sacral center is the center for work and for the doing part of ourselves, right? Who, What we do is important with the defined sacral. And then we also see the identity center. So Taurus energy also orienting us to the energy of attraction. Remember the G center here has a monopole, a magnetic monopole, and it can only attract, right? So Taurus energy then is an attractive energy. No wonder I think of them as master manifestors because they have this deep ability to attract to them what it is that they're focusing on. So also beware then, because if you're focusing on the negative or the the, the direness of the world or whatever's happening in the world, uh, you might be attracting more of that to yourself, more awareness of those things. Where if you're focusing on the more loving energies, then you're attracting more of that. Now, that is not to say that tragedies like Debbie you know, told us about this morning, don't happen in the life of a Taurus, because obviously they do. But when they happen, and how you um, uh, feel about them, and, and how you talk about them is what's going to be important. Because certainly, if something is happening in your life, you don't want to add fuel by focusing on just the negative aspects of what's going on around you. Then we also have the throat center involved, and that's not too surprising considering that Taurus rules the, vo the voice and the vocal cords. And then we also have the Ajna involved. The Ajna being a center of awareness. It's what we call or what we think of as the mind. And the mind here with Taurus is about having certainty. And remember, two of the qualities that we talked about under uh, the enjoyment of being in the physical is about appreciation and gratitude. And of course, that's also blessings. And the gate 24, when it's working in its highest and best, is really achieving appreciation in the highest and seeing blessings in their lives because they're able to take the story and be able to see what the high side was for that story. Now, I've listed the shadows here, and I, I'll tell you why, and that's because we're still in the, in the collective shadow period in the uh, calendar, in the Pleiadian Earth calendar, which, by the way, I didn't even take that out and look at it yet this morning, so I'm not even sure where we are in that. Uh, we should be on 13. 
Yeah, 13 devoting is today. That's dog or awk in the Mayan calendar. So it's a wonderful day to consider things like appreciation and forgiveness and love and uh, all of the, the comforts that we have when we're worthy to receive. And indeed, the shadows that we might see around uh, in our own lives, but also on the collective screen are things like chaos, right? The gate three is a gate of innovation and inventiveness. But if you're caught up in uh, stubbornness or resistance to change, then we get chaos as the old is no longer functioning properly and there's resistance to heading forward into the new. And so chaos can be the shadow uh, result of that, holding steadfast to something that's no longer working. The gate 27, as the moon passed through there, was about selfishness in the shadow. So it in the, you guys probably want to know what the highest expressions of these gates are too. And I should, I don't have room in the graphic, but I'll tell you, in the gate three, the highest expression is innocence. So the innocence that just, it's sort of Aries feeling in that it sort of moves outward. Remember Aries, the very last degrees of Aries were in the gate three as well. So the highest expression of that gate is when we're in innocence. In the gate 27, the highest expression is selflessness. So we go from selfishness in the shadow through um, the uh, energy of altruism to finally reach selflessness. In the gate 24, we have silence as the highest expression and silence coming from uh, releasing of our addictions, our addiction to uh, activity, our addiction to mind pursuits, our addiction to you name it, right? We have lots of different addictions. The mind is the biggest addiction we have. And the mind and all of the things that we are thinking can lead us to the other addictions, which are more in the physical realm. So things like sex and gambling and television and uh, drinking and food. And I mean, you can go on and on and on with what addiction can do. But thinking about this, then it starts here in the mind right? Addiction isn't something that's arising out of the physical. It's arising out of the mind. I find that very fascinating. And then gate two's shadow is dislocation, but in the highest expression, it's unity. When we feel oriented as one, when we are a part of the whole, when we have a family or people with us, we can be a part of the whole, but uh, also be our own natural selves. When we are in the shadow energy of the gate too, it's about dislocation, not feeling oriented, not feeling like we belong. The gate 23 uh, is definitely where the moon will be later today. The gate 23 is a gate of, in the shadow of complexity, where we've taken our world and we have uh, just made it so complex, right? Where in the highest expression, this gate is about simplicity. And in fact, that's the uh, the gift, the, the highest expression or the city is quintessence. Think about that word for a minute. I mean, try that word on for size, quintessence, the highest expression of something in its simplest form, right? Breaking it down, if you will, to its simplest form. So complexity being the shadow and in the gate eight, what we have is the gift of um, exquisiteness. It's in traditional human design called the gate of contribution. So it's where we really want to make a contribution to the world. Um, but sometimes we settle for less because for whatever reason, we don't feel worthy enough. We don't feel good enough. We don't know enough. We, we somehow fall into the shadow of mediocrity where we do just what is uh, required to get by or what everybody else is doing instead of being our unique self and expressing our style, which is what the gift is in this particular um, shadow or this particular gate. So interesting correlations here with Taurus energy. And are you guys getting uh, anything out of this by us sharing like this? Or is that helpful? Are you helping? Is it helping you to see more about how astrology and human design work together? Uh, let us know in the chat and then we can um, 
you know, answer any questions that you might have about how that works together. Does that make sense to you, Asa? Yes, it does. It makes a lot of sense to see yeah. the correlations of it like this. Yeah, when you see those correlations between astrology and human design, I think it just kind of it hits a um, like a, a, a click, you know, a clicking into place, perhaps of some of the, the, the energies. And of course, what I'm really doing is weaving together, not just astrology and human design, but also the gene keys is all of that we just talked about the shadow, the gift and the cities were in the gene keys. So we're just taking the the gates and we're looking at them holographically, which means you could also say that we're taking the, the astrology of Taurus and looking at it holographically. So I like that too. Uh, Sylvester says, I feel that unity on this. Pauline says, started June behavior and chemical addiction program via Scalar Light. I've heard of Scalar and I think a lot of people have um, some really good success with that. So good luck with that. Uh, Mimi says, yes, it's helpful. Awesome. Thanks, Mimi. Um, Kathleen, I like hearing about the gates. I, I just like the way that they validate one another. I think that's the thing, right? That I'm always looking for. How do things really validate and uh, build one upon the other? So we see systems that arose at varying times in history, that one of which was channeled, one of which, two of which were channeled, the gene keys were really channeled as well. And one that is basically an ancient system. And, and even though we have the this time disparity between the two or, or between the three, they really go together really, really well. So I like that. Sylvester says, I am a 4-6 profile, so I feel very communal. Very good. Very good. 4-6s. Uh, Karen used to say that the 4-6s were the best ones to throw parties because they would invite people of all walks of life and would be a, it would be a successful party for them where for someone else inviting people from all walks of life might not be so successful <laughs> so uh, go go party sylvester go go out and make sure you're making connections with all kinds of people okay uh if you have questions you can go ahead and put them in there and asa will bring them to me uh at the moment now i want to take ahead uh, a look ahead at the week um, it really is, for all intents and purposes, other than a solar eclipse, a sort of quiet week. We don't have any major big things until later in the week. So we have today that's sort of in the quiet, tomorrow in the quiet, Wednesday in the quiet. And then we have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that ramp up the energies a bit. So at this moment, then what my advice would be is that you all are in sort of a contemplation about what you want to bring in with that new moon on Thursday uh, or the, yeah, Thursday, the new moon solar eclipse. That is the most powerful day of the week. And right now we're sort of getting into that dark of the moon phase. So this isn't the time to set the intentions or to really charge ahead with a new beginning. But we certainly have a new beginning coming from the Pleiadian calendar tomorrow. We have the new, the, the main new beginning happening on Thursday with the new moon solar eclipse. Then as well in human design, we have a new human design week that begins tomorrow. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But we also have big changes on Friday in our human design chart as both Saturn and Pluto change gates on the same day. Interesting, right? These two traveling together over all of 2020 and the very end of 2019, uh, playing back and forth between the gate 60 and the gate 61. Now Saturn will be moving backward into the gate 13 and Pluto moving backward into the gate 61, whose shadow is psychosis. So interesting things may be in development as we go through the end of the week in terms of old patterns repeating themselves. That's even more important, I think, because we're in the collective shadow period. So I think there's a there are a lot of disturbances, I would say, Asa, probably the best word for it in the force right now, that are um, just waiting to come back up. And I, I see them out there, you see different, you know, YouTube videos taking us back to the politics of 2020. You see certain videos, again, pulling back up information around COVID and uh, all, so I just feel like there's this shadow that we haven't quite completed with and that we may have some more of these inform informative shadows 
coming back up for us. And, you know, shadow energy is our friend, really, because it shows us where we are out of alignment with love. We talked about that last week. So we are going to have more opportunities, or so it seems, uh, in the very near future to um, help us maybe release finally some of the shadows and the fears that are on the planet. But because we cannot make other people uh, move through their shadows or move through their fears, the only thing that we can do is move through our own. So whatever part of uh, you is still in resonance with shadow energy or with fear energy, this is your time to work through it, to let it go and to move forward without it. I mean, just think of how it would feel not to have the baggage of fear on your back anymore. I mean, like, wonderful, right? <laughs> so let's take a look then a little bit more at the, um, let's do, let's start with the, the, the new moon solar eclipse. I have a couple of graphics. Here we go again. I need to learn how to share them. <laughs> so I'm going to share my screen and it's not on a Chrome tab. It's on a window. Okay, I got, I think I have to open it up first and that's what the problem's been. So let's go here and here. A window, ah, there you are. So, now, is everybody seeing the June new moon solar eclipse? Yes, we can see it. Yeah, I love it when a plan works. So when we get to the new moon on Thursday, it is uh, a very powerful new moon because it is an annular solar eclipse, not visible where I live because the eclipse will be happening for us at 3.52 a.m. So the sun has not yet risen as early as it does seem to come up these days. Uh, it's not there. For you on the East Coast, it's at 6.52 a.m. So for those of you mostly from uh, the central time zone over, you might be able to see the eclipse because the sun will be rising. And for those of you in Europe, uh, this is at 10.52. And I believe most of Europe will see some part of the eclipse. And it'll be interesting because even though you don't see the eclipse, it is still activated because it's happening and it just so happens that the, the shadow of the eclipse uh, is in certain geographic locations, but literally all of us begin to feel the effects of the eclipse. And of course, that's going to depend on where Gemini is in your chart, because Gemini is where the new moon is going to be. And the eclipse, of course, 19 degrees, 47 minutes of Gemini. If you look over here at the chart, is that big enough for everybody to see? Asa, can they see this? There we go. Make it just a little bit bigger. Did that blow it off the screen? Asa, am I online? <laughs> am I out there? Okay. I'm just going to trust that you all can see this and that it's just a little bit bigger for you. So right here, we see the uh, area of the chart where the new moon solar eclipse will occur. And you can see the North node is there. The moon is there, the sun right on top of one another, and then Mercury in retrograde also very near. And that means that we have a very highly focused new moon. And the new moon will occur, or it has a theme. It occurs, by the way, 352 on the Pacific Coast, 652, 1052 uh, on June 10th. So that will be on Thursday. There is a theme here. And the theme comes from both the fact that, uh, that Mercury and the sun and the moon are together, which is about utilizing our resources uh, with sustainability and conservation in mind, even though this is... Uh, in Gemini energy, the theme itself is about distribution. How do we use our resources wisely? How do we uh, make it so that the things that we do have will last? And distribution in human design is on the throat center. So it really begins with the energy of sharing. This is also a teaching gate. So we're being taught new ideas maybe accessing possibilities where we haven't been able to access them before and being able to see our whole monetary system, maybe our whole idea of what does it mean to distribute resources e equally or 
Um, how do we make uh, things available equally to people is a big theme for this particular uh, moon. And the closest aspects to this new moon are going to be the conjunction to Mercury and a wide conjunction to the North Node. So remember, I told you there are two types of eclipses. There's the solar eclipse and then there's the um, lunar eclipse. Well, our lunar eclipse last month, at the end of the month, we had that one conjunct the South Node. So often the, the solar or the lunar eclipse conjunct the South Node is going to show us where it is that we're holding on to old ideas or to things that are no longer serving us. And it's always followed then by the, the solar eclipse, which is always opening up opportunities. So we have a great opportunity window open and it happens to be conjunct the North Node, which means that we have uh, an ability to move forward and to try new things, to do things in different ways, to let go of what's been happening in the past. And so if we choose to, we can make some powerful strides forward, maybe not, not in a way that is lasting, but at least with new ideas, you know, people bringing up new ideas to the table so that we can consider what options do we have rather than staying stuck in the past and just doing things the same way we've always done them because we don't have any new ideas or we're too afraid to try the new ideas. Now we have this energy of, okay, let's throw the ideas out there and let's see if we can't, you know, come together in a way that helps us understand a new economy, perhaps a new way of being together, a new way of communicating with one another. But this is a very communicative kind of moon. It has to be, right? It has to be with all that energy in Gemini about sharing ideas, about conversing, about maybe, you know, it's interesting because there's the, uh, what is that bill that they're working with, the uh, infrastructure bill uh, in here in the USA, and so there's a lot of talk about transportation and highways and how we interconnect and bridges and supply lines. And all of that is very Gemini oriented. Gemini rules the transportation sector. Gemini rules the infrastructure of the transportation system that we have. And uh, a lot of that needs some work. It is also that we have new ideas about how uh, we can, you know, distribute things more evenly throughout the country, uh, giving people equal access to the vaccines or to healthcare or to uh, funds, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of potential here for us to finally let go of some of our connection to the uh, to the past and then move forward. There are other aspects at play. Uh, here because Saturn square Uranus is still in in uh, in play. Look at here's Saturn at 13 degrees, here's Uranus at 12 degrees, and that puts them in a 90 degree relationship to one another. So even though it's not exact, but it will be on June 14th, so in just another couple of days after the new moon, um, we still have that aspect highly highly um, triggered for all of us. And remember, that is about Saturn in Aquarius, finally looking at the potential for new ideas, for uh, creating a future that's more sustainable, preserving what was best from the past, but bringing it forward in a way that allows us to uh, drive more sustainability, good stewardship out in the world, managing our resources more wisely. Then we have that square with Uranus in Taurus, and Uranus in Taurus is like a, a rebel in, um, <laughs> I always, think, this reminds me of putting a bull in a china closet, right? So we put Uranus in uh, the bull territory and we have this going round and round energy trying to push things forward in um, into new territory, but stubborn uh, Taurus energy demanding that we hold true to some of the most important values that we have while looking at what comes up for the future. So that square is uh, is pretty tight right now. And in that new moon, it's very much activated. We also have a Ur Uranus series conjunction. And it's interesting because Ceres is conjunct Uranus in the sign that is about agriculture and building. And Ceres, the mother goddess, is the goddess of the harvest or the goddess that 
really rules um, uh, things like sustainable farming or uh, sustainable distribution of resources and things like that. She's a goddess of abundance and abundance for all, not just for the wealthy. So we have interesting energies lined up here during this new moon. So we may see things like new farming practices or uh, new awarenesses around sustainability in farming and that kind of thing, as well as, of course, banking, uh, 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 stock market, cryptocurrency uh, types of um, innovations, perhaps, or shocks, perhaps. You never know with Uranus, right? Uh, we also have Uranus and Chiron. Uh, working together. Chiron is at 12 degrees of Aries and Uranus is at 12 degrees of Taurus during the new moon. So we have a semi-sextile here, a 30 degree relationship. So a, a bit of a tension between a wound here, uh, maybe not seeing how we're all interconnected and how little changes can make for big changes on the, on the world stage. And Uranus is also uh, do, does things in sort of a shocking and awakening sort of way. So we might have issues there. Then we have Saturn sextile Uranus. So we have another um, kind of planet that is calling up our authority to see the interconnectedness of all, not just the interconnectedness of people, but how the planet and its people and its animals and its plants and its air and its water are all interconnected. And if we start to batter one part of that equation that eventually all is affected. So what we do to the land in terms of uh, putting pesticides in and uh, herbicides and all of that, those leach into the water, then the water becomes effective, then the animals drink the water or they're eating the animals that are affected by the pesticides. So we start to see this whole wheel of interconnectedness and the things we can't continue doing the things that we're doing without thinking about how it's affecting all of us, eventually even us as human beings, right? So the food chain is connected to the water, the water is connected to the land, the land is connected to the air, and we start to see that this whole big system is interconnected and anything that we do has an effect on the other part as well. It also goes, it's it's part and parcel here that all of the institutions that we have are interconnected as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, my throat, Taurus. <clears throat> all those are interconnected as well. So what, what happens in one institution is also going to reach out and affect all of our institutions. So education and medical and uh, government and banking and all of that and all of these big things interconnected. So we can't just look at one thing anymore. We have to really look at the bigger picture and see how everybody is interconnected and what changes make we make in one thing are going to affect the other. So I hope that makes sense for everybody. The uh, I'm going to stop sharing my screen. Asa, you are there. So yes. did you see that okay? Yes, we could see okay. it fine. I could not get to my to unmute myself to let you know. So I was trying to not like, yes, I could see you and I could see you. But I can't see us. <laughs> Got so it. Got when, it. We're, uh, when I'm sharing. Makes but what's sense. funny about that is I just went ahead. I had faith that you were there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Christine has a um, question. She wants okay. to know where is Ceres on that chart? So you may have to pull it back up again. Okay. And we have a lot of self-nodes and Geminis out here. Ah. So, yeah. So South Node in Geminis. So people with South Node in Gemini? Mm-hmm. Yes. So the South Node in Gemini, you're grappling with um, how to maybe put an end to people pleasing and how to, <laughs> I often think of the South Node in Gemini as the people that, that say things to make other people happy or do things to make other people happy, but then they realize that doesn't make me happy. So one of the gifts that in that South Node is to learn how to let go of doing or saying things that make other people happy and move on toward that Sagittarius North Node, which would be to explore what really makes you happy and what is it that you really wanna do in the world. So hopefully that makes sense. Now, series in that chart, let me see if I can go back and share that. Uh, stop it. When I hit something, everything starts showing. So window back to this chart. 
Okay, Ceres looks like the shepherd's hook, right, with a cross right next to Uranus. So right here, that's the mother goddess Ceres. All right, hopefully that answers that question. And let's go back here. There we go. So uh, JLo, not easy for a Taurus that has always been that way. Slow and steady. It has been working out good. Slow and steady is good. There's nothing wrong with slow and steady for a Taurus because that's really sort of the uh, the pathway, one foot in front of the other. Uh, what the problem is, is when they stop, right? And they dig those hooves in. Have you ever tried to move a bull? <laughs> um, it takes a red cape. And even then, sometimes they just sit there looking at you like you're crazy. So um, the, the energy of the bull, when it gets dug in, is where the problem is, right? That's where change can't happen. If you're going slow and steady toward change, that's better than being dug in and refusing to yield, right? Or refusing to move. So there. Uh, Pauline says North Node first house in Leo retrograde. Okay, well, that has nothing to do with this particular new moon uh, or the eclipse, but uh, a first house Leo would be uh, a north node moving you toward coming out of your sort of um, shell and being more self-confident, uh, being seen in the world, uh, taking on self-expression in this particular lifetime. So there we have that. Uh, Amanda J, that's scarily accurate. <laughs> I love that. Scarily accurate. That's astrology and human design for you, right? Um, so when you look for the effects that the eclipse might have for you in your own chart, what you need to do is look for where about 20 degrees of Gemini is. And that's the part of the chart that it's happening in. But because it's a new moon, the sun and the moon are on top of one another. They're in a conjunction. And that means that it's one house that's really being focused on quite heavily. If you have planets in Gemini, then they're probably going to be affected by the new moon solar eclipse. And you can look at the um, house that that is in, in your chart for the area of your life where the biggest new moon possibilities are. So like Asa, where is Gemini in your chart? You have a Scorpio rising that puts Taurus on the descendant. Mm -hmm. So it must be in your seventh house or eighth house? It's my eighth house. Ah, so for you, the solar eclipse, do you have planets in your eighth house? Um, no. So Gemini sits on your eighth house mm -hmm. and it means probably a major transformation in um, money, uh, in maybe the work that you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. Transformation. <laughs> And then, of course, I always think about you because your husband's a Gemini, right? Yes, he is. So he likely being affected by this new moon, depending on when's his birthday? Uh, the 16th of June. Oh, so he's definitely right there. Yes. That, that eclipse is pretty darn close to his sun. Mm -hmm. So maybe things changing in his, depending on where Gemini is in his chart, things changing in his life. And this is an eclipse, by the way, that is very much like the lunar eclipse that we just talked about, where we have the lead in time to the new moon and then or to the eclipse. And we have the time of the eclipse. And then we have like a six month window post eclipse where things can happen that were related to that eclipse on the day that it, it occurred or right around the dates that it occurred. So like echoes of um, the theme that pops up for you. And uh, all the way till the next new moon solar eclipse, which is in December, December 4th, I believe it is. So it's a long time that mm -hmm. it is, it remains affective in our charts or in our uh, lives. Kelly jo Jordan um, made a comment that this eclipse is conjuncting her sun. Also, she was born with the new moon partial solar eclipse, and that's also in her eighth house. So big changes. That's mm -hmm. all I can say, right? That is a house of death and rebirth, mm -hmm. not literal death, typically, but that whole idea of rebirthing. So transformation. So crawling up out of something and allowing it to change you or to be changed. And it also has a lot to do with in, in terms of money, because it's opposite of the second house of money. Um, it has a lot to do with debt and credit and the things that you get like tax refunds or 
all, all of those uh, ways that money comes in from your spouse, um, from other streams of income, passive streams of income, that type of thing. Not necessarily that you're working for. So it might also be a good time for those of you who have it in the eighth house to do a financial checkup. Even though it's the sign of Gemini, the eighth house really rules the things that we share collectively with others, particularly spouses or family members or business partners. So taking a look at that and seeing, um, you know, what changes need to be made in order for you to move forward with possibilities, right? Gemini possibilities. And the fact that it's conjunct your son, who was that, Irene, you said, or? No, um, her name was, oh. I'm sorry, well, uh, Kelly Jordan. Oh, Kelly. Okay, so mm -hmm. Kelly, which I don't see that comment. Totally it was, it that. was, yeah, it was up further. Okay, well, it's Kelly. Mm -hmm. The fact that it's conjunct your son puts a whole lot of focus on it for you this time, right? That doesn't, I mean, think about the odds of the sun, your son being hit by a solar eclipse. I mean, we all do at some point in our lives, but that means that whatever it is that the sun represents in your life, your, your life force, your personality, what you do and how well you do what you do um, or how much you love what you do is up for change. So I would put my seatbelt on and, um, you know, be ready for a, a, a wonderful ride of, of change in your life. Now, the problem with change, I don't, so you're a Gemini son, so you're probably not someone who has problem with change, but sometimes it can be, um, depending on the rest of your chart, it can be a source of anxiety. It can be a source of tension. So be willing to go forth, <laughs> prosper, make changes, um, and do so with an open heart and a what more is possible. I wonder how this is going to benefit me kind of attitude rather than, you know, any kind of struggle against it. Revolt Magic says, hello, the solar eclipse happens in my 12th house. Any thoughts? Yes, that's amazing because the 12th house is the house of the hidden fears that we have. So the eclipse maybe for a moment giving you access to seeing more internalized a more internalized view of where it is that you've been cutting yourself short where you have been self-sabotaging where you have not been your own best friend right where there are fears or blocks or limitations that have been enacted in your life where you hold the key and all you have to do is unlock the lock. So the new moon solar eclipse giving you that opportunity to start fresh there, to start without the fears, to release them, to let them go, um, the shadow energies. So it, it's, um, it's a scary thing, I think, for a lot of people when you see something happening in the 12th house. But Asa and I both have 12th house sons and we do just fine, uh, which then also means that um, that means that that eclipse is going to be in that same house for me, mm. not for you because your 12th house son is Libra. Right. Um, but for me, because I have a 12th house son, Gemini, mm -hmm. it's yes. going to be right on top of my, my son. Wow. Fun times. Fun times, right? Fun <laughs> times. But I am not going to do what I've done in the past where, uh, there was one time a new moon occurred in my 12th house when Saturn was in my 12th house as well. This was way back in 2001 or two or three, something like that. And I pretty much said to the universe that I, I wanted to be released from all of my fears, blocks and limitations. Mm. And everything that could go wrong in my life seemed to go wrong within a, a very short period of time, almost as if every fear that I had came to the surface mm -hmm. because I asked for it. And uh, I was like, in a fear field for it seemed like a very long period of time yeah. and um it was not a bad experience i would say but later in reflection i went maybe i won't do that anymore yes. <laughs> ask for it a little bit at a time <laughs> yes show me you know with ease and grace yes. how i can release any fears that i still have yes, exactly. that would be maybe the more appropriate word for that so it's not quite an in your face here's where you're still holding on to bs and mm -hmm. let it go now uh, kind of energy so um remembering that we are all magnets and we're attracting mm -hmm. to us the things that we need to learn and grow. And then when we are aligned with that, we're asking, you know, source to, to show it to us. 
and you're open to it, exactly. <laughs> open to it, it's going to show up. So we mm -hmm. do it with ease and grace, right? Yes. Ease and grace. Let me learn this lesson with ease and grace. Good morning, Kathy Miller. Now that we're back on Facebook broadcasting, I see you found us. I love it. I love it. It's good to see you. Um, Kathy Miller is my stepmother for all intents and purposes. She was married to my father uh, after he was married to my mother. So she became a stepmother that I didn't know I had until just a few years ago, really. <laughs> um, this new moon is semi-square, my son in the 12th house, exact with the eclipse date also. Any good information for me? So a semi-square is um, tension, right? There's some tension or some anxiety. And it might be uh, beneath the surface where you're not really seeing exactly what it's related to. So maybe um, a feeling of uh, ill at ease, right? So maybe taking a look at what's being triggered for you in that particular period of time. Are you afraid of starting something new? Are you afraid of letting go of something? Uh, is there a block in the way? Some old um, baggage that you're holding on to that you have not yet eliminated. And uh, that would be the way that I would look at it. So semi-squares are not overtly um, we, there's not an overt awareness that we have, like the square where there's some kind of physical challenge or our minds just won't let us go somewhere. This is more a sense of a quiet tension behind the scene that's just sort of uh, something. I remember my favorite word is scritchy. So when I'm talking about the word scritchy, like that tension that you just can't put your finger on what it is all about. It's not quite an itch. It's not quite a pain. Um, it's just something and you don't really know what it is. So that scritchiness for you, JLo, might be uh, something for you to take a look at. Um, if you're feeling tension, she says Venus and Gemini at 11 degrees. Um, so maybe it has something to do with relationships or money or uh, your value or values, your self-worth that um, uh, you're still holding on to that you need to let go of or work through. Okay, any more questions about that? You can put those in there. I wanna quickly go through what the rest of the week looks like um, through our human design because I won't be with you to show that. So I'm gonna see if I can bring this up. There's that. Now I'm gonna share my screen one more time. It takes a little longer to share your screen here, but hey, okay. So what you guys should be seeing right now is week two. Um, this is starting tomorrow, June 8th, and runs through the 12th, which is Saturday. So that means this is embracing the eclipse time as well. Uh, this is a week that we confront the ethical and moral attitudes of distributing wealth with equality. So it has a lot to do with the economy and how we share our resources, how we distribute goods and services evenly uh, across our uh, supply lines uh, throughout the entire population. The sun is going to be at the gate 45, and this is called the gate of distribution in quantum human design. It is about learning to use our resources, which are things like time or money, or uh, it could be tools, it could be anything that we have that we put to work for us, and we're using it for the good of all. And when we do, peace prevails right? The, the um, impetus to war or to battles is often when there's somebody on some side that feels like they're not getting equal distribution of something, right? So for example, if we go back to the Revolutionary War, one of the triggers of that was taxation without representation. So having to pay taxes, but not really having any, um, any idea of how that's benefiting you. So how, how is that money that you're taking from us being distributed distributed back to us, right? So we have those kinds of major kinds of battles or re revolutions that happen. But the Gate 45 also speaks to in our local communities, in our own families, um, how are we distributing our wealth or how are we distributing our resources? In the Gene Keys, this is the shadow of dominance, the gift of synergy, and in the Siddhi, it's communion. How do we all share equally, right? The earth always brings up the challenge. The earth in this equation is at the gate 26, the gate of integrity, and the line between truth and lies, how this blurs especially the bigger and more complex the system that we're dealing with, 
the less integrity we have, or so it seems, right? That, or the more difficulties we have staying in integrity. So this is showing us that we must maintain integrity, staying in truth in order to have equal distribution. Like if we uh, are honest and if we are staying within integrity, then we see that that distribution becomes more equal across lines. And integrity is also personal, right? Are you in your personal integrity? Are you sharing of your time, your money, and your energy in a way that's sustainable, in a way that's transparent? So we're dealing in a very big way here with transparency, integrity, and how we can use our resources so to everyone's benefit, right? Or at least to the most number of people's benefit that we can. In uh, the Jinkies, the shadow is pride, the gift is artfulness, and the city is invisibility. This is an interesting gene key to read. Uh, so I would suggest to everybody, you know, get your gene keys books out and read the gene key 26, the shadow, the gift and the city, uh, because it's pretty fascinating, right? It has a lot to do with um, an ability to be seen or not seen, um, depending on what it is that you're trying to do or trying to accomplish. So there we have that. Uh, as well, we have uh, this weekend uh, interesting energies with uh, planets. Mars moves into Leo on Friday, and that is signaling a shift out of that more moody cancer energy that he's been in into the more self-expressive Leo energies. He's very comfortable in fire sign Leo. He, he, so I would expect that sort of our ability to put ourselves out there in the world to be seen, <laughs> to come out of the shadows, uh, starts to pick up as we move further along. And of course, Mars in Leo, followed later in the month by Venus into Leo, sets us up for that powerful T-square at the end of June and the beginning of July that becomes a very highly creative aspect for us to use in pushing ourselves out into the world. On Sunday, Saturday, excuse me, Venus comes into a sextile with Uranus. Um, that there might be some really good news on the financial markets or some good news in the economy. Sunday, the sun comes into a square with Neptune. Um, remember back, what was it, just three months ago, we had the sun conjunct Neptune when the sun was moving through Pisces. And I, I, I used that as an example of how all of the planets move through a cycle with each, uh, how the sun, the moon, or any other planet moves through a cycle with the other planets. So when we looked at Sun conjunct Neptune at that time, we were really getting to see how we could spotlight our intuition, our ways of knowing that are other than logic. And now we come to the first square. So now we have this crisis of action kind of feeling going on with the Sun and Neptune. As in now, maybe I'm feeling torn in two different directions. Maybe my intuition is telling me one thing, but my mind is telling me something else. And now I have to find a solution. The solution is always to follow your type and your strategy in your human design, right? So whatever that is, your authority even helping you here uh, in your human design. If you have no clue what I'm talking about, then you need to get your own personal human design chart and a report and maybe get signed up for a human design reading so that you understand how you operate in the world as opposed to other people. So the challenge here might be uh, maybe your intuition has been trying to tell you something and you've been ignoring it or you are over depending on your intuition when maybe your authority is emotional. So big issue coming up here, a possible issue, and one that's maybe not overt and in your face either, maybe one that's a little bit harder to pinpoint, but definitely an operation in behind the scenes. And lastly, since today is 13, devoting, meaning we are in the last day of the 13-day Pleiadian calendar, this is a day to go inward and take a look back at the previous 13 days and uh, what you have learned about yourself. What do you choose at this point to become devoted to in preparation for tomorrow's one day, the umbrella energy of illuminating? So turning the lights on, turning the lights on in the dark of the moon. I think that's a fascinating thing to do. I do Turning too. the lights on. Maybe it's seeing with an inner eye instead of the outer eyes. Yes. And that's my spiritual birthday tomorrow. And Asa, happy spiritual birthday to you. 
tomorrow. And of course, that starts off a 13-day week for all of us or 13-day period of incorporating more and more of that illuminating energy into ourselves, letting more light shine into our very fabric of our DNA. So, so we can transduce more light, taking in more light to allow more light out. Asa, thank you so much for being with me this morning. This was kind of fun. Yes, it was. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. And thank all of you for finding us this morning. I don't know how you could miss us this morning since we were on Facebook and YouTube. I love that. Uh, remember that this week I will be with my grandson, so I will not be on air Wednesday or Friday. I will return next Monday on the 14th. And we will be able to talk more then about what transits are going on. You can share all of your new moon solar eclipse stories with me. We'll see you then. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Asa.